This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. I'd like to shout out the biggest villain I know. It's the person that talks during the movie. Oh, that Makes, guy sucks. I hate that guy. And guess what? It's often me. Oh, anyway, no. And you know what? If I could talk to that guy, I'd say, how do you sleep at night? That's what I would say to this scourge of a person. <laughs> but I know what the answer already. I know the answer. Mattress Firm. Mattress mm. Firm has quality mattresses at every price for your best rest. Yes, even those who don't deserve to rest, like that person who talks during the movie, even they can get the bed that will make it happen from Mattress Firm. See a lower price at another retailer? Mattress Firm will match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night, even if you're a bad person. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or stores for details. Hi, I'm Martin Short. And I feel ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Did you say O'Brien? <laughs> okay, let's do it again. No, no, no. Well, I'm keeping that one. We've known each other for a long time, and you said O'Brien. Well, how do you pronounce it then? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> no, really, I want to hear you say it. It's Conan O'Brien. Roll that R. There's an R in there? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, time for another episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, I'm having a blast doing this podcast. I really enjoy it. And I have my trusty uh, sidekicks here. My assistant, Sona. How are you, Sona? I'm good. I'm having a blast, too. You're enjoying yourself, aren't I you? I am. I'm having a fun time. Are we paying you to do this? You are. Okay. Is it a lot? Not really. Okay, no. that's, that's... It could be more. Well, it's probably just fine. <laughs> and also, our uh, producer, Matt Gorley. Am I saying that correctly? Is it Gorley? Yeah, all, it's always been correct. I know. I just and like this to, is like the third time you've asked I me. know. I like to make it clear that we're not that familiar with each other. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is my way of subtly indicating that we'll never get closer. In eight years, uh -huh. I'll be saying, so it's Gourley, right? And I'll say, yes, it is Conran O'Brida. Yeah, but no one, no one will buy that. Is it Mozart? No, it's Mozart. Everyone knows that. Oh, I think I've achieved a certain level of, in, of clearly delusion. <laughs> um, oh, no. You ready to go? Oh, Gourley, you look like you're getting angry now. I, whenever you get angry, your beard... Uh, it turns different shades. You know, this is the last time you're going to see this beard. You're not going to have this do? beard to push around. It's summertime. I'm shaving. Is that true? Are well, you really going to shave it off? I am going to shave it. I don't normally have a beard. I just had a beard for a while. I don't I, even remember. It became remember. a goddamn character on this show. <laughs> I don't look at your face that much. <laughs> So hey, I honestly Sona. don't know if you hey, have Matt. a beard or not. You want to unionize for season two Let's, and we can like, you know. I will crush this union. I'll get more money. I will bring You'll in. You'll stop being pushed uh, around. I'll bring in strong arm thugs from 1920s, <laughs> 1920s Detroit to We're hit you with steel you pipes. some concrete. Yeah, good luck. They've tried to throw me out of show business 17 times, <laughs> but I always come back in a smaller format. <laughs> That's funny because it's true. Um, I am thrilled uh, because I've said it once and I'll say it again. If there is a funnier human being than our guest today, I've not met that person. And I think I've met everybody. Uh, this is someone who uh, he's won every award you can win. I'm not going to go through that because uh, God knows he's got it all. 
I first saw him on a show called SCTV, which remains to this day probably the most influential show or one of the maybe two or three most influential shows on my sense of humor. And he went on to Saturday Night Live and he's a mega comedy phenomenon. And I love him to death and I'm lucky that he really is a, a friend of mine. And his name is Martin Short. Marty, thanks for being here. Hey, here's what I want to ask. You know, I just did your show. Yes. When did you start doing shows in L.A.? For God's sake, Marty. What? I've been out here 10 years. 10 years. Well, to quote your old character from laughing, very interesting. <laughs> you're, you're a fool. Thank you. Uh, I've gone on record many times mm-hmm. saying uh, that... Uh, I say this to Marty, and most people would say, oh, please, you're embarrassing me. Marty asked me to repeat it mm-hmm. into some sort of device. Engrave it. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's the funniest person alive, oh, Martin Short. just silliness. Okay. Uh, you're, you're in the top 12. <laughs> you're up there with Howie Mandel. Look um, What was that? That was my Howie Mandel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the old, it, his whole, is the old act. You know, mm-hmm. with, the, with the glove. He okay, would, what do you mean? He would uh, By the way, it's a, not anything like Howie. No. I did a character called Howie Suzlov, who also had a big glove on SETV. He'd be on the Maudlin show. And that was the who I'm doing. You, um, you have a mind filled with showbiz references uh, that spans going back to, what's the oldest reference you make, do you think? Do you ever do uh, Jolson? Do you ever talk about people from the 20s or 30s? What's your wheelhouse? Is your wheelhouse the 60s, Sinatra? What is it? I would say that my, f- I, I wish that I had been 30 in 1962. That would have been a fabulous era. Because why? Everyone's smoking marble cigarettes with no shame. They're drinking booze very late. Not to mention the ladies. Oh, the ladies. <laughs> I do think of you sometimes as being a guy who could have time traveled and gone back to. Your skill set is so sharp, but it's also. <laughs> or dated. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It's, it's sharp, but it's also. There's uh, comics out there that do attitude comedy. You have. Material, you have characters. I think that you could get in a time machine and go back in, in, and open at the Copacabana in 1948 <laughs> and you would kill. I think you would kill in 1948. I would like to think I would. Yeah. Because I think that people, um, it's amazing when you hear certain old stuff, old radio shows, there's not that many jokes. There's not that many things. It's a kinder audience. The more the audience expanded, uh, it was really survival of the fittest. So... I remember even Dave Letterman saying to me 20 years ago that he said, you know, when a guest is just telling a story, I can hear click to another station in his right, brain, right. you know. And that's, if you see an old Johnny Carson show from 1968, it's much more meandering. Well, you know, he used to do a lot more time. He used to do, I think he had a- 90 minutes. 90-minute right? show. And they, uh, I think there was a different, show business was a little club then. Show business was a relatively small club. Very few people were in show business. And it was a small club and they all knew each other and they hung out at the Friars Club and they saw each other at parties. Absolutely, and, it was a smaller club. That's and, so true. And and what we have now is, uh, and it's the only show business I've ever known, uh, is, and it's, and it's expanding all the time, but um, there's hundreds of thousands of television shows and there's movies in the movie theater, but there's also things streaming, and there's not one cohesive unit. And you look back at the late 50s, 60s, even into the 70s, there was this kind of small group of people that all knew each other. And, you know, Dean Martin would be, if, if there was a party, I've heard, about, whenever I hear about a party that took place in the 60s. But you'd always hear st- stories of uh, Milton- Lee, Lee Gershwin's house where- yeah. Burton would get up and recite and Judy Garland would sing. And it was like, you know. Yeah, and they're all putting on a show and uh, Milton Berle's there. They're always describing Your a hero. party. Exactly, <laughs> my hero. Well, we have certain similarities. Let's leave it at that. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Oh come on! You know what I'm saying? Just enough to win. Exactly. That joke. Yeah. yeah. Giant cock. If you don't understand. Hey. Yaha. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I got to spell that out. Um, was wrong. I apologize to everyone here. I'm sorry, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> you had to hear that. Yeah. Anyway. Put it away, Conan. You got the laugh. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. That. Reminds me of that one scene in Alien. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I always picture, uh, and, and it's a kind of a nice thing, uh, this, it's, it's hard not to, I get very excited. I get very excited when I get to have a meal with, say, you and with Steve Martin, and it feels like, oh, these are, uh, people my generation think of, <laughs> think of you guys as being legitimate, and the rest of us are, um, schlubs that are hanging around you. That's kind of how it can feel sometimes. But don't you think that never goes away? I mean, I always felt that, you know, I knew Mike Nichols for 25 years, and I always, if I was at a dinner or at any point in his company, would pinch myself and think, okay, I cannot really be with Mike Nichols. Because when I was 12, I would listen to Nichols and May on Broadway and memorize the whole thing. While other people were listening to Cosby and listening to stand-ups, I was obsessed with that kind of give and take and the characters Elaine were, was playing. And, um, and you, so, you, so I never got over, I never got over knowing him. Right. You, I think the biggest one, when you talk about meeting Sinatra. That was he, big. He's, would he be the biggest star maybe of all that you met that yeah you, because uh -huh. he's such a well it's so insane because even the when you talk about the beatles there were four people i mean sinatra was one guy that lasted you know 50 years and, and was the king of show business was the king of show business and but it was a great influence for me as a as someone who wanted to sing as a kid i would literally listen to tony bennett 25 times one song to figure out how he placed, I will come home, home. You know, that there's, there's a different place in his, Johnny Mathis is doing that thing. But, you know, so you learn, oh, phrasing. I remember Harry Connick and I, when I first met him a long mm -hmm. time ago, he was like 19, and, we talk, and he's obsessed with Sinatra, and so am I. And we talked about um, April in Paris, a song, I never knew how, and he can do it exactly, but we learned the phrasing. He knew the, how Sinatra held this long note in Old Man River. We could compare that because we were both, even though decades apart, 14-year-olds in our bedrooms listening and saying, oh, that's how you sing. So let's talk so about- when you finally meet that person, it's freaky. Let's talk about that because I, I find it fascinating that at a very young age, you thought singing was your way into show business- um, you're generally recognized as uh, one of the great powerhouses of comedy of all time, but you thought it was singing. You thought singing was the way you were going to make it? Do you know, I grew up in a very funny family, and I was the youngest of five kids, so comedy was a very natural thing. It wasn't, you didn't like have a bunch of, you know, bookworms, and then you're <laughs> jumping out and saying, get me to a stage somewhere. Right. It seemed that to me, I, I thought, I wanted to be an all entertainer. Oh, sure, I'd do a funny dance, but mainly I'd kill with the final ballad. And this is what I aspired to. And it was also intense fantasy because I was in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'd never been in the United States. I'd look at commercials for Disneyland and think, well, that could be on Neptune. I'll never go there. Right. So it didn't seem realistic. So in my attic bedroom where I pretend to have an imaginary television show uh, every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. on NBC <laughs> because they wanted it every week. But you know what? <laughs> Try making movies <laughs> and doing a variety show every week. When you're 14 it. and you also have school. You're, you're overscheduled in your head. Yeah. I love that. And you're I'm not even counting touring. <laughs> your imaginary life was overscheduled. I was way, I had an, I, I would get so mad at my imaginary agent. The, See, uh, I, I'm only one person. I can't be spread out like a piece of pizza <laughs> and divide into pieces. <laughs> so, uh, so you're... You're up there and you thought, okay, and, you, and, you, and you're practicing the singing and you're doing it. And, and at what point did you realize 
It's not the singing. The singing can be part of what I do, but it's comedy. I sincerely think it was later on. I mean, I got, uh, when I would do um, stage shows at McMaster University, I, they were all musicals, but, um, so I liked the music part. And then, and then my first job was this year production of Godspell in Toronto. This and fam- now I was the famous known, production, yeah. Famous production because of the people. It was Gilda Radner, Andrea Martin, Eugene Levy, Jeez. Uh, Paul Schaefer, Victor Garber was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And still is in many ways. Still <laughs> very, very close to Christ. Um, Christ light, we call him. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, he married my son. All, uh, my son Oliver and my daughter and Alyssa were married at my cottage by Victor. That's beautiful. And my son's theory was that if you can't get Christ, you phone Vic Garvey. <laughs> um, but anyway, in that show, that was now, I was no, I know I was my first job where I wasn't in university. And it was a comedy show with singing, but the star was comedy. What got me the job was me improvising with Eugene on stage at the callbacks. You know, It's amazing uh, that there's this <clears throat> one show. And again, this is how... Um, I now think, just to more to your point, that comedy and entertainment is spread out everywhere now, YouTube. And that's, I, I don't say good, bad, that's just the way it is now. But there was a time when there were far fewer opportunities for talented people to show what they could do. So they could have a production of Godspell and do a casting call. And everyone who shows up everyone. becomes... becomes a household name. That's insane. That wouldn't happen well, today. Well, that show was a little bit insane. There were, you know, there was the original New York production of Godspell, and there were other companies, of course. But the fact that everyone was <laughs> in there, that was odd. I mean, at that time in Toronto in 1972, Danny Aykroyd was always hanging around. He always smelled a little bit of gas because he was always working his car. Because he, he wasn't working. I mean, it was suddenly, and I first met Danny at Gilda's birthday party in 1972. And he and his then partner, Valerie Bromfield, comedic partner, were in character as Gilda's parents from Detroit at this party. <laughs> they were pretending to be Gilda Radner's parents. They stayed parents. in character the whole night. <laughs> Danny was doing that. And it was so funny. I remember driving, then I would, you know, I went out with Gilda, and I remember driving her car around, and they were, would be improvising in the back, Valerie and Danny. And I think, I w- I'm deliberately getting lost because I don't want this to end. <laughs> right. That's how funny they both were. It's interesting because Tom Hanks once said that if he could, if he could go back in time and be a fly on the wall, he started the, he started the sentence that way. And I thought he was going to say, you know, he wants to be there, uh, you know, uh, watching whatever. Princess Margaret get married to Lord Snowden. Well, that's, well, that's my, your that's thing. That's my yeah. thing. You know, I keep, <laughs> that's keep, my thing. I always get confused, and it's always been a problem with me, between your wants and Tom's wants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just be there and say, no, mm-hmm. no, it's not a good marriage. Just be there right there and just see Liza say to David Guest, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, you know, I, I didn't know, and I know, you know, Tom Hanks is a big history buff, and so I thought that he was going to lay out some just great historic moment, and his moment is he wanted to be a fly on the wall, invisible, listening to you guys up in Canada, who who created, uh, you know, what what came to be known as SCTV and the early people at Saturday Night right. Live. All of you gathered around a cassette uh, messing about improvising, being silly. He said, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be there at that moment. And I understand what he's talking about. But of course you did it. And at the time you were just, these are my friends. This is my girlfriend, Gilda Radner. That's that guy, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, Uh, I have have tapes from, you know, two in the morning on a Friday uh, after a production of Godspell. And it's, you know, Gilda Eugene and Paul. At one point, Paul is laughing. Ah, that is so funny. Ah. <laughs> and it's, you go, that's the exact same laugh. Right. That permeated the then, Letterman show and for even 30 then, years. Yeah. In those days, way back then, even then, he looked like a maitre d' in a spaceship. So, 
So there's been very little change in Paul. <laughs> you know, uh, we have some similarities. We both, I am of Irish descent, uh, but we didn't get far from the tree. I am very inbred. Uh, I am one of six. You are one of how many? Five. You're one of five. And uh, your dad, you've talked to me about your dad and your dad, very funny character. And he was born, born in Ireland. Born and raised in Crossmaglen, County Armagh. And he's a slight brogue. Marty, get down here. And, um, but really funny. Really, really sarcastically funny. And when I would do Jiminy Glick initially, I would go, Oh, yeah, I'm doing, that's who I'm doing. Oh, you're kind of channeling your dad. I mean, I'm not, you know, you didn't sound like that's a good dad like that. But, <laughs> but the, um, the, um, the, the, the sarcasm is the Irish said, oh, the crack was good. Oh, the crack was good, the, the gossip. Yeah. Oh, you had a good crack. Uh, one time I was, stayed up with my cousins in, in Shorts Bar, which has been there in Cross McGlenn since 1885 right. to this day. It's still open. It's, they're still there, Shorts Absolutely Bar. Absolutely correct. And I had stayed up, this is like late 90s with my two cousins, Patrick and Oliver. They're all, the, you know, all mm-hmm. the same names. My my son, Oliver, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we were up there till about five in the morning drinking. You start off with a beer and then you go to whiskey. But Because if you're publicans, which are the children, you have to take out of your wallet and put money into the cash. You can't just drink from the bar. Anyway, I came down around nine in the morning. Patty's cleaning out the glasses, my Uncle Patty. And he just looks at me and said, so how did the character assassination go last night? <laughs> you know, it's like he was eavesdropping. And, and, but my, but I remember one time I said to Mel Brooks' Jiminy Glick, what's your big beef for the Nazis? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I swear it was like a joke that my father had once done to his friend Sam Pagan. You know, it was just... Taking that energy and, and, and rechanneling it. There is something in Ireland. I did some event with a bunch of Irish comedians maybe 12 years ago. And we all performed at the American Ambassador's House in Phoenix Park in Dublin. And then it's over and someone said, well, the evening's over, but let's go get a drink. Let's go into Dublin and get a drink. So um, Darrow Breen, a bunch of other comedians, we all pile into a cab. And these are the funniest people in Ireland, hilarious, talented. We all pile into one cab and on the ride over, the cab driver is funnier than any of us. <laughs> and that's a true story. It's just, I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's funny because you, um, one of the things that delights me the most is when people I meet who are very, very funny and entertaining uh, on screen I meet them and they turn out to be that way in real life. And I have all of these exchanges with you where no one's around since I've gotten to know you. No one's listening. This is a long time. Yeah, we've known each other a long time, but but I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll see you or we'll meet outside the restaurant about to go in and you'll have the greatest put down. <laughs> and I'll think, this is great. There's not even a camera. The other day, you and I were gonna grab a bite to eat and uh, Mr. Bill Hader was going to join us. Yes. And uh, you proposed uh, a restaurant. And I said, um, should I make the, re- I just sent you an email and said, should I make the reservation? And you said, no, I'll do it. I'd like to get a table. And I just, <laughs> I'm like, this isn't for anybody. This isn't for the, and, and I thought, I was howling. And I thought, this is, this is you literally doing something with another hand. <laughs> And with your free hand- Don't go into detail. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And with your free hand, uh, you are destroying, you're just sending a torpedo, a death torpedo through the water. And uh, it's really delightful. On, only coated in love, you know that. You, you uh, I want you to do it, but you, the, you said to me once on the air, and I didn't know this was coming, but you said, you looked at me, we were, I was interviewing you, and you stopped me and you said, Conan- Whatever you're doing with plastic surgery, do you remember this? Should I, I said, do it for you? Uh, uh, okay. You said, you've, you've done so many of these. <laughs> but you looked at me and you just went, Conan, I just want to say, doesn't Conan look fantastic? And the audience went, yeah, yeah, Conan looks fantastic. And you went, I just want to say, whatever you're doing with plastic surgery, I suggest 
20% more and then stop. <laughs> and I, what I loved is that I spent weeks thinking about that afterwards. I spent weeks thinking about it afterwards. And I was like, it is so fantastic because it's, disgui- it's disguised as paternal advice. Absolutely. It's a compliment. It's paternal advice. And there's a death turd tucked into the middle of it, yeah. which will kill you. Right. Uh, I love that. That's why I, I, Steve and I insult him. I often say, now, and I in no way mean this negatively, <laughs> but you look, you are pale, Steve. You look like, <laughs> you look like something I snorted in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, what's funny is uh, there's, this is something that I really relate to. When I see you perform, I've seen you do uh, perform on Broadway, and I've seen your uh, your your traveling show that you do with uh, Steve Martin that you tour with. Um, you and I understand it because I think it is Irish, I believe, but it's a resistance to schmaltz. It's a resistance to sentimentality. Is that you, Irish? I, 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 it certainly is true what you're saying in the comedy. In the comedy, you yeah. do the comedy, and um, and I think you're right. I think it's very Irish. I've never thought of it that way. But yeah. it is very, it's very, um, uh, is it, I used to think it was waspy, but I think it's more Irish. I think it is. I think that there's never a point in your show with Steve, and I can think of a lot of performers that would be easy to do and people would love it, where at one point at the end of the show, when people have laughed their asses off for an hour and you know 30 minutes or 40 minutes, that you guys look at each other and say, you know, I have to say, though, you are a really good friend. Something horrible like that. <laughs> Something truly <laughs> horrible. You are a good friend and I love you. I love you too, man. And See, that's when you're waiting for the sandbag to drop and crush them both. Well, but, but see, that's, that's what I love is that none of that. There's none of that. Uh, there's, there's, and I, I know that in show business, I used to do this, you used to do this a lot on uh, SCTV and I think it's been, you, you refuse, you refuse to go down that road. Uh, and, and, and Steve refuses to go down that road. And a lot of my favorite comedians, they're not going down that road that we are here. And we might even fool you into thinking we're about to say something really generous and sweet. And then there's a joke at the end. Well, first of all, I think that the audience knows everything. They, right. they know who's, friendly and who isn't they know that you know steve will say to me you know what i love about touring with marty short no paparazzi (laughs) (laughs) now they know that that's a joke (laughs) but have you ever had this happen audiences have changed somewhat and i'll occasionally get an audience that um they're they're very sincere and earnest and so someone will make a joke. Andy will make a joke at my expense that I love, that I think is hilarious. And the audience will be like, no. Didn't we have that? We had a joke. Just when we just did the show tonight. Oh, I think, yeah. I think uh, at one point you said- And you uh, even commented on it. Wait a second, you really think that- But I can't remember what I can't it was. remember what it was either, but you made some joke that was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I mispronounced a word and you said, Conan, I think it's time to get new dentures. <laughs> That's and right. the audience, the, this was what insulted me. The audience went, oh. Oh, like too far, Marty. Too you know he has false yeah. teeth, but don't bring it up. Yeah, yeah. They, they literally gave the reaction of, yeah. oh, too far, leave his dentures alone. And I had to turn to them and go, I do not- not have dentures. It's yeah, a but, joke. Yeah, but I, with their reaction in a group was surprising. Just hearing a whole audience go, really? <laughs> we knew something was wrong. We knew he was aging badly, but we didn't know yeah. which way it was going to go. But uh, I was very impressed with the show you do with Steve I got you. You let me uh, come yeah, out. Yeah, you did little, it in Las Vegas. I did a little, uh, little, little cameo appearance, uh, but watched watched you out there, and you're terrific with Steve. I've said this to you, you guys. I mean, he's obviously a brilliantly funny man, but you, I see the ways in which you also help him out. You're such a crowd pleaser, you know that you. Well, I think we both help each other out. I think it's a great little combination. I think he's of weighing energies. you down. What? I think he's weighing you down. <laughs> he's hurting you. Look, 
<laughs> this is no one listens to this. No right? one. Yeah. No one hears this. Okay. I so wanted to do with Dana Carvey. Because <laughs> Dana gets me. You know what I mean? So, okay, so I go through Mark Urban, so uh-huh. I So yeah, I yeah. can't get Dana on the phone. Yeah. And then Steve, bring, and, and next, you know, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park, or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's brunch. right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, yeah. find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self-Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self-Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. <laughs> Is there anyone? Who did you miss? Who? Marlon Brando. You didn't get to ever meet Marlon Brando. I never met Marlon Brando, and I would have loved, I loved Marlon Brando. Have you heard tales of of, Marlon Brando? Of Marlon Brando? Oh, yeah. And some of them you don't. He was wearing a 
a full ball gown during that meeting. You don't want to hear those stories. But um, just the genius of Brando, the or I mean, that's someone like again. You're you're that 13 year old kid. And you're watching on the waterfront, and then you get to meet you know Johnny Carson. I didn't do Johnny Carson for six years when I could have. Like I was asked to do Johnny Carson in 1982 when I was on TV. You didn't jump at that, no. And because I had already started doing Letterman, it was 83. I'd already done Letterman a few times, and I thought, ah, you know what? It's old school, and I'm hip. And Dave's my guy. And it was only because I was totally afraid to do Johnny Carson because I loved him so much yeah. that I thought, because mm. <laughs> I really believed that doing talk shows was about being loose. And I couldn't imagine myself being loose in the company of Johnny Carson. And um, so I waited. And then there was a rumor in late 87 or, that he might be leaving. And I went, I am an idiot. I'm a moron. So I was then asked, I, and then I phoned up my managers at the time and said, can you get me in The Tonight Show? And they said, of course. And, and now I did it January of 88, the first time. So you remember going out, you did panel, sat down. I did panel. Well, I didn't, you know, I never did stand up. I did, I was, but I was already like in the movies. So yeah. they phoned me up and said, you're supposed to, oh, I know what it was. Betty Davis is on tomorrow night, but she has been asked to move um, but if she's on the same night you are, you will come out second. Would you rather move to her night? And I said, no, I'm happy and thrilled to come out following Betty Davis. So I came out, and Rob Reiner had made a bet with me. He said, I'll give you $100 if you do Betty Davis <sighs> to Betty Davis. Oh, my God, okay. <laughs> so Betty was already, she killed, you know, she'd done the plate trick. and dun, 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 She'd yeah, done all that she, stuff. She uh, shot flames out of her nose. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, no, she was really on fire. Yeah. If you call that on fire. And, and she did th uh, three segments, and then I came out, and I said to her, and what a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, thank you. She had no idea who I was, and she thought that's actually the way I spoke. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know. Did and Johnny laugh? Did Johnny like that? Johnny was, uh, Johnny was laughing, you know, doing that. You, you go for it right away, did you? And then, and then, and then I, I, it was, I must have met a successful eight minutes. It was like, and I could see Johnny, <laughs> And pushing the chair back, doing that stuff that he would do. And then at the – but you'd just see the two-shot of Johnny, but you'd see smoke puffing in from the side because Betty was smoking to the end, you know. <laughs> and, and then at one point you hear a voice saying, do you do me? <laughs> <laughs> and I turned to her and said, well, you're not that easy to do. <laughs> and she said, well, then skip it. <laughs> and Johnny was beat red laughing so hard. I Dude, mean, like holding it in. And This is, um, you think about this now too. Think about, well, we've got Betty Davis, but we also need <laughs> to get Martin Short. That alone tells you everything you need to know about how show business has changed. What do you mean? The, the fact that uh, these an iconic star would come out and then you'll, okay, we'll talk to her, but then we've got to move on and have this comedy powerhouse on. I'm telling you that they've, the broth has been thinned since then. Does that well, make sense? Of course, of course you know, it does. I mean, look, we, remember there was a time up until I don't know when that you never saw a movie star except at the Academy Awards. Right. They didn't do the Today Show. They wouldn't do the Tonight Show. You know, in, in Jack Parr era anyway. Right. They, it, you know, if you were Burt Lancaster, you showed up at the Oscars. If you're Rita Hayward, you know, all these major stars. So the, the, the aloofness of it was monumental. So obviously if there's many, many talk shows, the, the well gets watered and, and it's not as – exciting as maybe when we were a certain age watching that one talk show, you know? Yeah. I, I still think I'm stunned at, uh, I'll look at television and I'll see um, how much of it there is. And a lot of it's actually really good. I'm stunned at the amount of, there's, there's a lot of quality out there, uh, incredible amount of quality and craftsmanship. 
Oh, it's but unbelievable. They're, but they're feel, but it does and feel. And the impact of it, don't you think, is like the Game of Thrones. Right. Which I have never seen. And it's not. You've because, never watched it. I've never. Well, no. Listen, I love dragons and, and all that stuff. Always did. But then I turned nine. And, <laughs> and, and then I kind of, you know, moved on to novels and stories about, you know. Adults. <laughs> yeah. The uh-huh. depression and, you know. Well, there's a lot of nudity in it. So you should know that. <laughs> That's, That's your, my crow. Your crow is very good. And then I also do a monkey. Can I hear the monkey? Maybe that's a macaw. I don't know what that <laughs> is. That's not a monkey. That's not a monkey. Canadian monkeys are a little different. Really? Ah, very uh-huh. different. Very different. The Canadian monkey. The Canadian monkey. <laughs> is that it? That's, well, what does that sound a bit like? Isn't that a, like... Actually, that was like having a seizure. <laughs> yeah, you did have a seat, yeah, actually. And we but I you. think my cricket is the best. Let's hear your cricket. <laughs> wow. You know what I wish? What? I wish you had been at a microphone when I was doing my monologue tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish after each joke. Hey, you know what I found interesting? I, I saw you do your monologue tonight, and... I, I didn't realize, because I don't know a lot about post-production, mm-hmm. but I, so obviously they put the laughs in later. <laughs> uh, I know you, deep down you really love me. I know you do. A lot of warm feelings towards me. I do. Um, if the audience had been there here right now, they oh, no, too far, Marty. Yeah. Well, far. I, I think I talked about this once on your show, but it is hilarious. If I would come out at any of the shows that you and I have done since 96 or mm-hmm. something, and I would insult you, mm-hmm. especially on the YouTube era, and then you, you see it, and then you go down the comments. And I don't know why Conan O'Brien just didn't put him in his place. He's so, I mean, why are they being so mean to Conan? I thought they were friends. That's not nice to say to a friend. Yeah, it's, kinda, it's you wonder how Don Rickles could have done his act at all. <laughs> Why are you being mean? Don Rickles was so funny. I was at a dinner party not long in the last few years of his life. Mm -hmm. And he was going on. He's telling all the stories. And there were comedians there. So he was obviously playing to us. And his wife, Barbara, finally went, talk, 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 talk. (laughs) And he went, talk, 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 huh? Let's put it this way. If it wasn't for the talk, 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 you'd be a derelict. (laughs) (laughs) I used to love when he would say like, he he had an instinct for what was just a funny word. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, good for you. What do you want? A cookie? Yeah, I know. And cookie's a funny word. And I just- Hockey puck, he loved that. Hockey puck was funny. What do you want? A cookie? Yeah. Oh, good for you. What do you want? A cookie? Uh, he came, I had a talk show for a year in King World, and he came on at one point, and I go over and shake his hand. He whispers in my ear, this is a mercy mission. <laughs> <laughs> I got on a flight with my wife, Liza, and we were, I think we were taking a flight from New Manelli, York. Manelli, I keep forgetting you. <laughs> yes, after, after, after Guest. David Guest. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, Do you know what David Guest said to Liza on their honeymoon night? No, I don't. No hard feelings. He said- <laughs> No, wait a second. I'm missing a part of that joke. <laughs> Never mind. Move on. No, no, we'll clip, get, clip, yeah. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh, that's a big mistake. No. That's keeping you out of the big money. We're going to play that on a loop. No, I was on a flight <laughs> from New York or from Boston to, I think, New York or Boston to Los Angeles. And I'm putting my stuff in the overhead compartment before the plane even takes off. And I hear... Oh, geez, I'll let anybody on these flights. <laughs> Goddamn Mick. You know, the little Mick's probably been drinking at the bar. And I was, I didn't, I was getting a little pissed. Like, who's, who's being such an incredible dick? Yeah. And I turn around and sitting in the seat behind us, uh, sitting with someone else, not his wife, uh, maybe a manager, was Don Rickles. And he proceeded to uh, do a show for us on the whole flight out, cross country, five and a half hours. I was having dinner with Diane Keaton at Giorgio's in the Palisades, and Don Rickles was at the next table with, with the Newharts. And it, you just loved seeing those four together because right. they loved each other. And, and Diane had never met Don. 
And he came over to the table and he said, good, Diane. So, uh, so let me, uh, how many kids have you adopted? When I have a feeling that you go to an orphanage and say, I'll, I'll take that one, and I'll take that one, and I'll take that one. And she's laughing hysterically. And she's saying, I'm just so honored. I'm just so honored. <laughs> Please shit on me some more. Yeah. Um, you're here because you admire me. Uh, you've called me. What are you doing? Sona, what's going on? Yeah. Sona, that's not helping. Why are you laughing at that? Because it's so preposterous. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. I think that's where the laugh comes from. (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. I'm doing the Michael Cohen podcast after this. (laughs) So it's not like I'm Mr. Selective. (laughs) (laughs) And he's doing it from prison. You and your topical quips. That's true. <laughs> I won't have it. Not on this show. I won't have it. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, end this show other than just obviously petering out? <laughs> <laughs> I like this energy. This is, you know, it would work. You know, it would work really nicely here. Why don't I get two pennies and just put them on your eyes? <laughs> Well, you're right. I'm, Do you realize that you have, cr- and I don't mean this negatively. No, <laughs> I want to hear the cricket. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want it to end with the cricket. But uh-huh. you feel, and I, and I, and I mean this actually sincerely. Oh, that you now, at your present look, have your coffin look. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> you're going to be laid in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It will be that hair. It will be the kind of swoop, the top. They mm-hmm. will do it. They'll do it for me. Yeah. And you can look at different people and go, cough and look. Do so you think They're, I'm there? I don't see you uh, going like sideburns and slick back. I'm saying that I think you have your cough and look. Okay. That's the nicest thing you've said to me in a while. I think it is nice. <laughs> I'll tell you who has his cough and look is uh, Donald Trump. You think that's what he's going to look like in his coffin? Yeah, you can. Uh, I'll probably look like this in my coffin. You no, know? we're going to have you made up as Ed Grimley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm dead, I must say. <laughs> Which character do you want to be laid out as when you go? Because I, I can, I will see to it. I've... I think Glick, only because then you could do the thing of be a closed because he'd been attacked by a cougar. <laughs> so he could close it. But it would be funny to hire, like, well, not hire. They'd be your friends, I guess. But to have the premise that Coffin is just impossibly, impossible to lift up. <laughs> the heaviest thing. And finally, they're, just, they're all at the front just dragging it. Is he your favorite of all the characters? Well, it's certainly the most fun because the others are, some of the others are very written and specifically phrased. And yeah, yeah. I yeah. know that. You don't think I know. It's like, a, you have to memorize it. But Glick was all improvised. So yes. I never knew what I would, I would look back, you know, we'd tape for 20 minutes and cut it to an eight minute interview. And I'd see myself saying, I take great umbrage. And I'd go, I don't even know what that means. What is, <laughs> I've never said that. So that was to me the most fun about that. Do you get, because uh, you take chances with Click and I think you get away with it. Has there ever been a time where you've thought, uh, that was too far. I, I went too far and I wish I could take it back. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Uh, but you, you know, will, you get. Usually the people that I interviewed were actually my friends. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. I, or I knew them a little bit. So, and then I would talk to them like, this is a movie. We're making a movie here. So um, don't, I remember when Ricky Gervais, when I was doing the Maya Marty summer show a couple of years ago, and he was going to do a Jiminy Glick and I'd never met him. But he was very, we talked on the phone. He said, I just don't want to get in your way. I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to be that guy. And I said, no, 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 you must just say whatever you want. And right. he was so hilarious. So he just let, he was able to let he go. He just let go. And then, of course, you go on for, you edit it later. You edit him out. Being funny. <laughs> That's get, my gimmick. You make so sure that I you get the So if I I'd say you do whatever you want and really try to be funny. <laughs> and then cut you out. And then cut me out. Uh-huh. I've always wanted as a joke to have a great comic like yourself on. You kill and then edit it in a way where- <laughs> It's so mean. Where every time you go to score, and it's, it's, it, another copy goes out, the real way goes out to everybody else. But I 
get someone to show you a tape the next day because you won't watch it. And anytime you're about to, you're telling the story and you get to the big laugh, they cut to me and I'm it's shot separately and it's me looking perplexed and we've taken the laugh out. And I've always thought, wouldn't it be great to just have that, get a friend who's in on it and they say, that was weird. What kind of, what did he do? What do you mean? I killed last night. No, I have it. Take a look. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. that be fun? Uh, I be a guess, lot of, lot of guess time, a lot of money. Your world. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell the time. Uh, this was uh, back on the old late night show. I interviewed you, killed, lots of laughs. You moved down the couch. And then, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I do, but I don't and know it, how you sell it on, on, on a podcast, oh but God. I'll try. Yeah, you're right. It's hard. Well, this is what happened. So, so I moved down the couch. And a young actress came out. Mm -hmm. And now um, Conan was now earning his wages. Let's put it that way. Because, you know, she, I think what he had to go with is she had been a model, but now she had some lines to read in a show or something like that. And, and her publicist had said, it's important we get across that she's an actress now. She's not a model anymore. Right. So Conan is interviewing her here. We can't see this, but I'll just right. describe it. Is sitting there, and I've moved down the couch. And then Conan said, so now that you're actually doing scenes, is that more rewarding than just being a model or some question like that? And I went, nodded my head like, Mm. Yeah, <laughs> how provocative! He, and he also leaned forward. But I did forward. it so that he could see. He leaned forward a little bit so that the actress couldn't see it. But then behind the actress, Marty just peered his head into my view and did a kind of a slightly sarcastic. Hmm, fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating, and I. Uh, no, you started to laugh a little bit. I started to laugh a little bit, it. but I bit my lip and got through the rest of the interview. And then the band kicks in because it's time for commercial, and you you take and us home. And then Conan got up, walked around, leaned over to my head, and said, "I'm just trying to make a living, asshole." <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Oh, that was so funny. I'm just trying to make a living, asshole. That's one of my favorite. I'll hmm, fascinating. <laughs> what an impossible person to have. In your Mo eye line. In, no, yeah, in my eye line. It's never performed with, what is it? Uh, dogs, children, children, and Martin Short anywhere around. It's absolutely impossible. Uh, this has been um, delightful. Thank you. Equal right back at you. You don't mean it. I do. I do. Uh, you're... Uh, you have a way with the tie clip. I've always said. <laughs> <laughs> it went right from the show to this little room. You look good. Thank you. This is my coffin look. You do, but there's nothing wrong with having your coffin look. Right. It just means that- um, It doesn't get better than what I have now. And you're probably not going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to have someone pick on you on how you look, you know? <laughs> What are you talking about? He picks on me a lot. And okay. it's nice to, I don't you know, pick on him. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's nice that you're all ready for summer camp. You look good. <laughs> <laughs> you look fantastic. I hope uh, you wrote your name in your underwear. <laughs> trying to make a living. No, I know. And you've made a handsome living. Thank you. I have. You have. I mean, I've been to your home. His home. You're not that any of this room. Oh, they will never there. be there. No, no, no. <laughs> Sona has managed to get as far as the gate three times. Yeah. But that, you won't let that's, me in. That's a big electrical Shock, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing Thank this. Thank you, Conan. I love you dearly. You know this. It's you didn't even news. make eye contact. You because looked down and away. I, I can't make eye contact with someone when I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You win again. Martin Short, bye-bye. Bye-bye. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste 
of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it, it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. <laughs> If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Conan, Sona and I had an interview with the BBC the other day about the podcast. and That the, blows my mind that the BBC is aware that we have a podcast. That's right. You'd think they'd have... I mean, they're going through Brexit. <laughs> Shouldn't they be focused... <laughs> Their country is literally, their, their parliamentary system, which has survived like 800 years, is crumbling. And they're like, by Jove, we've got to speak to Gawley and oh, Sona. Oh, my God. No, no, that wasn't a put down. No, that, but your British accent is ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous. Oh, Are what? you having a stroke? Oh, I think maybe I'm having a stroke. Oh, I am, I am. It's the posh, posh traveling knife, the traveling knife for me. First cabin captain's quarters, real company. I said, poor. I blacked out what happened. I just woke up. <sighs> well, this is apropos of what they're saying. This room smells like fish and chips. What happened? <laughs> the host called Sona and me the matriarch and patriarch of this podcast, and we're wrangling you as the child. <laughs> oh, that's so that they did a whole uh, psychological profile of the show? Yes. Kind of, would you say? I think so. They also said that uh that Matt and I are your consistent friends and you're constantly trying to upgrade your friends with these celebrities. <laughs> oh, no. He just, Conan O'Brien just spilled a bottle of water. He just Freudian spilled. All over. Maybe I did it intentionally. Yeah. You just called me a troublesome child. Yeah, yes. no kidding. So you I threw water on the table. Water. So wait, what did the BBC say? Originally, he said that you were kind of like the ruler, but then he said the more he listened that Sona and I were like the matriarch and the patriarch wrangling you as the child. Right. right. Yes. So you're my parents mm -hmm. and I'm uh I'm the kid. I think petulant child. Yes. Petulant child. Like yeah. severe ADHD. Yeah. And right. uh you're hyperactive yeah. and uh but needy. Maybe I'm Harry Potter, which means you two die. <laughs> and then I What a leap. Then I am uh, great powers are visited upon me. Great abilities and then from us. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're following the lore, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a scar? Uh, yeah. That's why I have the giant pompadour. I comb it forward to, <laughs> to hide the scar. <laughs> but yeah, so it's possible. Do you think sometimes you are uh, hard to rein in, just in general, even in normal life when we are working? And yes. there's only one answer to that. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I, I think it's difficult when someone's given so much creativity. Okay. Uh, when someone's given uh, so many um, powers... Uh, it's difficult. It's hard. I don't know what it's like for you two. Would you say sometimes when I'm like going through things you have to do during the day, you're just doing bits and looking at I me do a funny lot of bits. and you're like putting your glasses askew and you're like, I am, uh, I am performing 24 seven. Yes. And, um, you are constantly looking at me like, why, why, <laughs> why do I have to work for this man? But you have to admit, I'm entertaining occasionally. You are. But it is a lot of like, I am actually trying to do work and you are making the, you're making it more difficult. Yes. Yes. Bits. Yes. I behave foolishly. Mm -hmm. Um, I could probably do a better job of being an adult. Now, there are times where I'm trying to do work and you're busy watching uh, episodes of Barry. Mommy needs her me time. No, I need my my me time. She's drinking a giant uh, glass of white wine at her desk (laughs) at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then you, Gorley. You know what I feel like the appropriate thing? You're the dad? I I feel like actually you're a single mother with a kid who just eats Fruit Loops all day and I'm the stepdad that came in late and don't, don't know how much I can disappear. Right, right, <laughs> right. And you're sort of a, you're a cartoonist for, you you write like a Kathy cartoon for the local paper. And I don't even illustrate it, I just write no, it. No, you write it. You, you're not a good enough, you tried to illustrate it, but you're not good enough. So you just write, you write stuff like, oh, this yogurt doesn't have any fruit on the bottom. That's and then good. someone else has to... <laughs> Then someone else has to draw it, and so you make very little off these cartoons. Yeah, I'm kind of living off you yeah. guys. Yeah. And then and and you found out you moved in on Sona when you found out that uh, she made money when her first husband <laughs> was killed in that yak attack. Yeah, and that her child is like a child actor. She's a stage mom and yeah. embezzles. Yeah, his she money. has a six foot four son with yeah. the shock of red hair who's got his own late night show and he's making some bank. So you moved in, and all you have to do is every now and then you say like, "Well, I got to go think of the next Kathy cartoon." Can I have a little money? Yeah. And you're like, so you don't draw them. No, Mm-mm. Eric draws them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good enough to draw them. But I just thought of a new one. Uh, Kathy gets on the scale and she's like, oh boy. <laughs> Why does my scale have to be so honest? <laughs> So I'm calling Eric to see if he can draw it. <laughs> Eric's only taking my phone calls sporadically. Yeah. Eric's starting to write them too, and <laughs> they're pretty good. Oh well. <laughs> this explains your hostility to Matt a lot too. Yeah. Just you lashing out at him a lot sometimes. Yeah. I don't mean to lash out at you, Matt. I really do like you. You do a very good job. Huh. I, I'm oh disarmed, are we? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. uh, no, I know what to think. No, no, you do a very good job. You've made this podcast a success. You're uh, very uh, obviously well known in this field because every time someone comes in to talk to me all I hear is you know oh my god it's Matt Gorley you know he did Cinnamon Hour with Mr. Chop Chop (laughs) what it was on the Lubbadub Network but anyway I know that you're a big deal in this sphere that I didn't even know existed that's like being known in the podcasting world is like being known in third world soap opera world sincerely this all started with me complimenting you and then you goaded me into insulting you again it's my fault it is your fault And you'll be punished for it. (laughs) You are an excellent producer and uh, a good man and a fine foil on this show. I like doing it. I mean you no ill will. I mean you none. And stepdaddy's going out to the garage for a couple hours. I'm going to write another cartoon. (laughs) Um, Good. I'm glad that you guys talked to the BBC. Yeah. And the show is called Podcast Radio Hour on BBC4, the radio channel. It blows my mind that we sit in here and... um, we put no thought into this thing, and now people in a country I respect are listening to it. The same <laughs> network that brings mind. you In Our Time with Melvin Bragg, like one of the brainiest shows ever created, is is concerned with I don't know what that was. I don't know what that is. You would it, love this show. What is it? I it's called know. In Our Time with Melvin Bragg. Is it a podcast? And no, it's a radio show. Oh, you would die. You would love it. Oh, you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see your little plot. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Do... 
podcast people like yourself have hostility towards conventional radio? Not at all. That's like the forefather. I loved radio. Yeah, but I bet you're real snobby about it, though, right? Like, mm, it's not a podcast. You can't download it. He really wants there to be beef between podcasts and radio. I would love yeah. it if there was a real gang rivalry between well, regular old-fashioned radio. Do you have a thing against vaudeville? Yes. <laughs> you do? What? I do. I hate vaudevillians with their <laughs> juggling and their, their capering about. When it, <laughs> I, I can't stand vaudeville, and that's I'm glad that we crushed it. We successfully destroyed oh, vaudeville. Oh my god, yeah. usurpers! Yeah, I have no ill will towards radio. Also, it's dead now anyway, so there's nothing to worry about. Mm. So you did put the knife in, didn't you? Yeah. Was that all you had to say about the BBC? Mm-hmm. I think so. Anything we had a else? great time. Should we yeah. plug it? Yeah. Why not? I mean, they said that they're going to start their podcast on May 31st. It's a podcast about podcasts. Yeah. Right? Or it's a radio show about podcasts. <laughs> Wait a minute. There are podcasts about podcasts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's probably podcasts about podcasts about podcasts. Right. You know what no one's doing anymore? (laughs) What? No one's growing crops. No. (laughs) But there's a podcast about No one's making food or growing crops. And I think we're all going to starve in about two years because everyone's going to be in their basement going, well, I'm here with Matt Gourley. This is the snake that ate its tail. (laughs) With me, Bill Sibbles D. All right. I got to go. Yeah. Murderer. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blayert and the show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.